0: Hey everyone, what's going on? I'm Coach Mike and welcome to this episode of the MindFit Method Podcast. All right, so to start off this episode, I'm going to say Happy New Year because this is the first episode of 2023. Uh, We are 23 episodes in on the MindFit Method podcast, which is really exciting. And today I'm going to do something very different and I truly hope it's something that you guys enjoy and are able to learn from. So as you may have heard in a previous podcast episode, I am currently in the process of writing my next book. Uh, The book is called The Dopamine Intervention. And really a book came from the fact that When I was doing all of the research over the years about the MindFit method and how to utilize neurotransmitters and neurofactors to be able to enhance neurological function, um, I learned a great deal about dopamine and this essentially this pleasure receptor, this pleasure chemical that is in a way almost ruling our lives to a point where I actually believe that uh, modern-day society is actually addicted to dopamine. And, you know, today I'm going to do something that I've never done before. Um, but I'm actually going to read you the preface of the new book, uh, The Dopamine Intervention, which is going to be out a little bit later in 2023 this year. And I hope that it is a story that you can relate to that maybe you've experienced. And then we're going to talk a little bit after I read the preface about how to. Um, look at look at the situation from a scientific standpoint and how you can begin to essentially intervene with our need for consistent dopamine releases throughout the day. So let's kick off the intro and then we'll be right back. So the giant question is this: How do we as parents, teachers, school administrators, policymakers, coaches, how do we prepare our kids for a future, that doesn't yet exist, all while making them healthier, more creative, more innovative, better problem solvers, and overall successful contributors to society. That is the question, and this podcast has the answers. My name is Coach Mike, and welcome to the MindFit Method Podcast. All right. So again, I'm going to start off with the preface of the book. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And then after I'm done reading uh, the preface, I'm going to dive into a little bit of conversation about where it came from, the science behind it, and what we can do about it. So I hope you enjoy this. So please, here is the preface of The Dopamine Intervention, my brand new book coming out later in 2023. Preface. I rolled over and tried to focus my eyes on the dull blue glow of the alarm clock sitting on the nightstand next to our bed. 1.17 a.m. I generally didn't sleep soundly as it was, and frequently found myself looking at the clock throughout the night. But at the moment, I felt as though something else had woken me up. As my eyes adjusted to the light in the darkness, I realized that there was another light on distantly in the house. My mind labored as I shook off the fogginess of sleep and tried to decipher where it was coming from. It wasn't a hall light or even a nightlight in the bathroom. It was something else. Then it hit me. It was the light peeking through the crack of the nearly closed door to our oldest son's room. Not again. I dreaded the thought of what was coming. It wasn't the first time, and it most certainly wouldn't be the last. I ripped the covers off as my blood began to boil. He knows better. Why is he always doing this? It's like he seriously can't control himself. The photons emitting from the glow of that 36-inch TV hit me like tiny needles. My body language was already displaying aggravation when I sternly stammered, Turn it off. Not yet, he replied in a snarky tone. We're almost done with this level. That was always the answer. The word yet was this figment of everyone's imagination that never seemed to become a reality. It always felt like yet was this elusive period in time that was an impossible dream. And who the heck is we? These fictitious online friends were dominating my son's time and I was so done with it. I don't care whether you are done with the level or not. I said turn it off. The rest of the conversation was completely unproductive. He would respond. I would retort. We both hated the situation. The outcome was always the same. Anger, frustration, distrust, self-questioning, long conversations with my wife, reflection, repeat. Every single time. Why did it have to be this way? We never should have bought that TV in the first place and certainly not that Xbox or PlayStation or whatever that thing is. As I crawl back into bed, tears in my eyes and my heart racing, I would think back to how it was never like this when I was a kid. I never had a TV or a video game console in my room. When I wanted to play with my friends, we called each other up on the phone and rode our bikes for hours or played soccer outside. They were physical people, not online friends from around the world. Today, my kids barely want to leave the house. And when they do, they go to a friend's house to play the same damn games there. When they are home, they are like zombies with infusions of the nonstop drug of technology piercing their soul. At least that's what it felt like. Actually, that is exactly what it is. No one is regulating it. No one is sounding the alarm. But that technology is affecting our children's brains exactly the same way an illicit drug does. And no one seems to care. The next morning, I was rehashing the experience to my wife while I was cleaning up the coffee grounds that I had spilled the night before while making the morning coffee. I was talking a million miles a minute as I threw the last paper towel in the garbage. When I turned around, I couldn't believe what I saw. She wasn't listening. She was too busy scrolling on Instagram on her iPad and got completely caught up on a funny video about dogs. I started to raise my voice in desperation, but before I could even begin to express my disgust, her phone rang. She jumped up like she'd been stung like a bee. 8.03 a.m. It was her friend Trish calling to find out what was going on. My wife was three minutes late to her Microsoft Teams call that she was presenting on this morning. She'd been talking about the importance of this presentation all week. How could she be late? She should know better. I guess she really doesn't want that promotion. She mouthed goodbye with a panicked look on her face as she ran into the home office to take the video call and do her presentation. I just shook my head. Unbelievable. All because of a stupid dog video. I felt a strange bit of satisfaction that she was going to be late for the call since I had been trying to explain how concerned I was about our son and his ridiculous video games and she was barely listening. I sat down at the island for a moment and grabbed my phone. I hopped on Facebook and created a post quickly before I had to leave. Anyone else out there feel like their entire household has been taken over by technology? Need a disconnect? Who's with me? Maybe when my wife saw the post later, she would remember how she was totally ignoring our conversation this morning and realize that this is getting serious. I couldn't ponder over it long enough, though, as she wasn't the only one that had an important day at work. I put my coffee cup in the sink, grabbed my jacket and laptop bag, and headed out the door. I was three quarters of the way through that commute to work when I got stuck at the traffic light of doom. At least, that's what I called it. Every single day, I got stuck at this light, and it always took two cycles of red, green, yellow, red, and green to get me through it. Beyond frustrating. As I was sitting there stopped in the line of similarly annoyed commuters, I began to think how it was just another way that technology was controlling my life. Man, I hate that light. I knew for a fact that I was not going into work with a good attitude. I was struggling. I felt like everything around me was completely out of my control finally the light turned green and i made it through i'd gone about 75 meters when my phone ding cool i thought that was the all too familiar facebook notification on my phone maybe someone else was feeling the same i was about all this technology and liked or commented on my post maybe i'll start a trend and everyone will start disconnecting from this evil world of technological bliss knowing that i shouldn't because i was driving I still grabbed the phone just for a moment to see who had interacted with my post. Just knowing that someone else out there was possibly feeling the same way made me feel a little better already. As I lifted up the phone to be able to see who it was, another sound caught my attention. It was one that I had heard before, but not one I hear regularly. As I spend a half a second processing what the sound was, my stomach sank as I looked in my rearview mirror. The red and blue lights from the state trooper's car were flashing brightly in my rearview mirror. I immediately looked at my speed. I wasn't speeding, I thought, as I dropped the phone back onto the passenger seat. The phone. The damn phone. I was getting pulled over because of that stupid piece of technology. Why did I have to pick it up? What was really so important that I felt the need to break the law? I should know better. As the officer approached the door, I almost smirked at the irony. I was going to get a ticket for picking up my phone while driving to see who had either liked or commented on my post about disconnecting from technology. Yet it was this piece of technology that had gotten me in the situation I was in. It almost felt like an addiction. As the officer handed my ticket, I made an internal decision. Enough. No more. I am going to figure out why, and then I'm going to beat it. The above story isn't real. At least, it didn't exactly happen to me. But it is a version of a story I have heard time and time again from parents for years as the founder of MindFit USA. I guess you could call it more of a based on a true story type of situation. While the characters were fictitious, the feelings and the results are very real. The dad in the story may have been a mom or a grandparent, the son may have been a daughter, the TV may have been an iPad, and the video game console may have been a smartphone but the end result is happening every day. And both parents and their kids seem to be completely helpless to the situation. All right, so that is the preface of my new book that I am currently writing called The Dopamine Intervention. And I guess I'm curious to start, is, is that story something you can relate to it with? Or is a piece of that story something that you can relate to? Because it is a story I have heard so many times from parents and from grandparents, uh, even from teachers Over the years about this just constant addiction that kids have to video games and their phones and streaming and social media. But we also need to step back and realize that as adults, we have these same addictions that we are trying to fight against with our kids. And it's putting us in a very precarious situation because they're looking at us saying, you're no different than I am. You just use a different vehicle. So whether it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's TikTok, and they're playing Fortnite on a, on a Xbox, it's all the same in the end. And it's all because of a drug that gets released in our brain called dopamine. So to start, I just kind of want to go over what exactly is dopamine, because we're hearing this this word more and more in the news, we're seeing it in medical publications, we're hearing it in podcasts, but what exactly is it? And essentially, dopamine is a type of neurotransmitter. Your body makes it, and your nervous system is what uses it to send messages in between nerve cells. Um, It's, you know, sometimes actually called a chemical messenger. But dopamine actually plays a very big role in how we feel pleasure. And it's a big part of our, really our our unique ability as humans to be able to think and to be able to plan. It's something that actually helps us to strive and to focus and to find things interesting. And when I say that, you're probably thinking, okay, so dopamine is a wonder drug. Like it's an amazing thing. And it is. Um, Your body spreads it, um, spreads dopamine throughout it, you know, using four major pathways in the brain. Um, But the problem is, is that you often don't realize that you actually have a problem with dopamine until the problem is very serious. Um, too much dopamine or even too little dopamine can actually lead to uh, you know a wide variety of different types of health I- issues. And some of them are actually very serious, even including Parkinson's. Um, other ones are much less dire, but all of them uh, can revolve around the word addiction. But to give you an idea, um, schizophrenia is actually a condition that is actually tends to stem from a hyperactive or too much uh, dopamine in in your body. Um, ADHD um, is actually often um, attributed to a shortage of dopamine in the body. Um, Drug misuse and addiction um, are things that are commonly called because of a giant fast increase of dopamine in the brain. And dopamine is essentially like it's a way to uh, create a natural reward system. Um, but as with anything, if you have repeated drug use, your body also increases the threshold for this pleasure center that these drugs or gambling or alcohol or video games or social media, um, all create. And in many ways, even obesity can be linked to dopamine. Because if you think about it, most of the time, if you take in more calories than you burn, you gain weight. So, you know, people always say, well, then why can't people who are obese simply, you know, eat less and slim down? And unfortunately, the answer is not that simple. Um, They may actually have internal mechanisms that are causing problems with their natural reward systems. Um, This can affect the amount of food they eat um, before they actually feel satisfied. And again, that's the difference between hunger and appetite. Um, And they've actually done imaging studies that suggest that in people with this condition, the body doesn't release enough dopamine. Um, and another feel-good hormone, which is serotonin, when they start eating, so they continue to eat more. And as you know, I work in the healthcare field, so, you know, dopamine actually is also used to save lives in a hospital. It can be used for patients that have low blood pressure, poor cardiac output, uh, poor blood flow to vital organs, because it also has to do with how you physically move. Um, it can be used in cases of septic shock, Um, but there's also complications as there is with any other drug. So you can get things like irregular heartbeats, faster heart rate, trouble breathing, chest pain, things like that that are also associated with the drug. Because again, nothing is perfect. So while it might, might solve one problem, it might actually exasperate another. Now, something else, and I know I've spoken of this before, that actually increases your dopamine production is Exercise. So you're thinking, okay, you're telling me that dopamine's good, you're telling me that dopamine is bad, you're telling me that dopamine is produced by drugs and gambling and sex and alcohol and all these things, but yet at the same time you're telling me that I should exercise more so I increase my dopamine productions. Yes, yes, and yes. All of those things are correct, but there's a difference when it comes to dopamine, and I'm going to relate it to sugar. So if you eat half a candy bar, obviously there's a lot of sugar in half a Hershey bar, And when you eat that candy bar, that sugar enters your bloodstream very quickly, and essentially, massive amounts of insulin need to be released to handle that increase in your blood sugar. Now, there's also sugar in an apple, but when you eat an apple that sugar um, absorption is slowed because of the fiber in the skin of the apple. So I should never cut the skin of the apple off because that is where the fiber is stored that actually slows how the sugar from the apple is absorbed into your body. Well, um, if you compare video games with exercise, it's a very similar situation. You do those video games and boom, you get hit with that dopamine really fast, really intensely. Um... And it's actually to the point, people don't realize this. It's not like, okay, I start playing the video game and I get a dopamine hit. It's I start playing a video game and let's say I'm playing Fortnite. I actually get a a dopamine hit every time I pull the trigger to try to shoot someone or throw a grenade or do all those things. Every single time I do those things, boom, you get another little hit of dopamine, another little hit of dopamine. It's the same as social media. Every single like that you get on social media, boom, produces another hit of dopamine. So it's just this constant surge of dopamine, 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 dopamine. And there's no other um, neurotransmitters at that point that are really able to mitigate that or um, help with the absorption and the release of it so that it's not overwhelming. Where exercise, you're actually inducing pleasure and pain at the same time because you are stressing out the body. You're putting the body under stress, which then causes other neurochemicals to be released so that the dopamine absorption and production is different. So literally, it's a candy bar versus an apple. is very similar to a video game versus uh, doing exercise. But this next part is the part I really want to try to explain to you guys because this part is is important, and it kind of ties together with what I said before about how people who are obese, as they get um, more and more obese, and their dopamine level uh, decreases, or essentially their threshold for dopamine decreases or increases. So think about this for a minute. Um, if you play a video game once, right, and your dopamine level increases, your body likes that feeling. In fact, it's a survival. A technique of humans, we then know, oh, this is something that made me feel good. So I'm going to do it again. Now, for an example, if you eat chocolate, chocolate is something that actually tends to produce a dopamine release. It increases your dopamine by about 50% in your body just by popping a Hershey kiss in your mouth. So it makes you feel good. But it doesn't last very long, which is why, boom, you want that second Hershey kiss, or you want that next bite of a Hershey bar, or whatever it is. Obviously, I have a big fatuation with Hershey because I keep talking about them. But anyway, um, so that's how it happens. In a video game, it's the same thing. Boom, boom, boom. Every time you pull that trigger, every time you jump, every time you complete a level, you're getting another hit of dopamine, which all sounds great, except that your threshold for then what makes you happy begins to increase. So you need more and more and more of it, just like an illicit drug. The problem is that I want you to think of this situation as a seesaw, okay? Um, Your brain, (laughs) crazy as this sounds, does not want to live in the world of pain or in the world of pleasure for extended amounts of time. It wants to remain at balance, which is called homeostasis. So if you're thinking in the, of this as a seesaw, think of this seesaw as two people that weigh the identical amounts, sitting one sitting on each side of the seesaw, and the seesaw is perfectly level. It's not moving. Now, all of a sudden, on one side, you have, boom, a hit of dopamine, and the seesaw rises on one side and lowers on the other. So the side that lowers is going to be the side that we're talking about because now you've gotten heavy with a dopamine release, okay? So when that happens, your brain starts to freak out a little bit. As much as it likes the pleasure feeling of the dopamine, it wants to return to homeostasis. It wants to return to level. So it starts panicking and it starts inhibiting dopamine production and releasing other chemicals to eliminate that feeling of pleasure. But it doesn't do it in an equal format. So now let's think of that seesaw and let's think of weights for a minute. So on one side of the seesaw, we have 50 pounds. The other side of the seesaw, we have 50 pounds. And boom, we're going to add 50 pounds to the side that has uh, that, that is going to be the dopamine side. So now, boom, that side drops because you have 100 pounds now on one side and you have 50 pounds yet on the other side. So the seesaw goes up on one side, down on the other. Here's where the brain overreacts because it freaks out and it says, no, 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 no. I need to be in homeostasis. I need to be level. So instead of adding another 50 pounds to that other side of the seesaw, right, it does more than that. It adds 100 pounds to the side of the seesaw, okay? So now one side has 100 that has the dopamine, but boom, the brain overreacted and it adds 150 pounds to the other side. And now the seesaw obviously flips, so the side with the dopamine goes up in the air and this other side goes down. Well, then that goes down, it actually makes you miserable. So you get aggravated, you get frustrated, you get anxiety. All of the things that we see happens to kids and to ourselves, even if we're using social media, when we do it for extended amounts of time. I have, years ago, I used to watch this with my kids. They would play Fortnite for the first half hour, even an hour that they were playing. They were good, they were happy, they were enjoying it, they're yelling, hooting and hollering, all that stuff. But when you got past a certain point, they would begin to get grouchy, they're frustrated, they're miserable, and that is actually our body's response to that increase in dopamine, which was causing pleasure, saying no, we have to return to homeostasis. So, in order to do that, I need to double up what I what was released in order to get us back. But in order to do that, it actually takes us too far. So that is why. And if you guys see this, if you relate to this, please put it in the comments. I love to hear from you guys. Um, when I'm right on the money and when I'm nailing exactly what you're experiencing on a daily basis, because this, you know, uh, there's a a researcher from Stanford. Her name is Anna Lemke, and she actually wrote a book called Dopamine Nation. Um, I would strongly recommend reading it. It's actually, in a way, it's a bit terrifying. Um, it's a little traumatic because you realize just how much we are manipulated by technology, by drugs, by food, by sex, all of these things. But she makes such an interesting point. She said, you know, technology today, whether it's a phone, it's an iPad, it's a video game system, whatever it is, or it's even an app like, you know, TikTok or something, these things today have become a digital hypodermic needle and it is literally injecting this dopamine drug into us and if we aren't aware what is happening, it is going to take over our lives and it's also going to take over our kids' lives. And the more that we can learn how to kind of fight against it, not only just be aware with it, but utilize different tools to back ourselves away from this you know, incessant need for dopamine, the better we are going to be as individuals, the more successful our kids are going to be, and the more productive we're going to be as adults. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and the things that are going to come with the dopamine intervention. If you did, I would be forever grateful if you would share this episode with a friend or someone that you think could really benefit from it or even you know, tag me in a post, share the episode on social media. It's how we spread our message about having stronger minds and smarter bodies through the MindFit Method. Thanks everyone and until next time.